Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss the current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan with Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. So I know I've told you about this uh, earlier, but today... The Netflix released two additional episodes of Singles Inferno, and I don't know if you've heard of it or watched it, but for those who have seen and are watching Singles Inferno, you know what I'm talking about. It's like um, a Korean dating show. It's a reality show, and it's like the great British baking show, but a dating show. Like, it's feel good. No one is catty. Like, even if they're trying to date the same person... They're not catty. They're very supportive of each other. And so I just watched part of one of the new episodes that was released and it helps put me in a really good mood. I don't know why. And it's so sweet, so touching. So like, I don't know, like I can't describe it. It's like a dating show, but a feel good dating show and a very wholesome feel good dating show. I need to try it. Just as a background show. I usually go right for British Bake Off if I need a little pick me up. Mm-hmm. But uh, this sounds like a good option because I'm out of British Bake Off shows. Well, the only <laughs> downside is that you need to read subtitles unless you get the English dub version, which I don't know if they have an English dub version, but it's all in Korean. So you have to read subtitles. I'm okay with subtitles. Actually, I'm trying so hard to help increase my... Um, attention span. Mm-hmm. I feel like these days with social media and TikTok and reels and all that stuff. So I'm trying to force myself to read more and not mm-hmm. multitask all the time. So yeah. Yeah. Good option. That's a good plan. Mm-hmm. Is that your new year's resolution? To I don't have down? resolutions. I have, I set intentions and that mm-hmm. is one I like thing. that. I like that. I was asking a friend. Obviously, I made a whole Trello board with my 2023 intentions and it's all sectioned out for like personal overall business journeys, travel company, travel biz boss (laughs) and so forth. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to a friend about quote unquote resolutions. I'm like, do you make resolutions? And they're like, not really. And I'm like, me neither. I haven't done so in a while because similar to our conversation with Jen, we touched on this. When I feel like I need a course correct, I'll just go ahead and do it. Like I'm not waiting for, a set day, a set time. It's just like, oh, now it's a great time. So um, I'm glad we're going into the new year, even though we don't really use that as a set day to start something. I'm glad we're going into it, maintaining our intentions. I do still feel like it's a great time to sort of reorganize. So I have, I'm just bursting with ideas all the time and they all go into a Trello board and I sort of like, took the time to organize that, get everything where it needs to be, identify my top priorities for this year. So it's just really good to reorganize your ideas, prioritize things, move into the new year, like with a, with some clarity. Um, So I enjoy that part, but I don't like to get too hung up on goals Mm -hmm. or resolutions. Yeah. Well, Before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. Our first article is from Travel Age West, and this was actually a research piece that was done in September 
um, or at the end of September. And I feel like it still holds true with the percentages um, from this study. And so it's part of Travel Age West's need to know research. And there's a link there to give you more information on the surveys that they send out. So what they found was nearly two-thirds of respondents, 62%, charge fees, and 89% feel the decision to implement them was a success overall. Personally, mm-hmm. yes, and yes, definitely a success. And yesterday, I sent out an email uh, to an inquiry, like in response to an inquiry, that let them know that I'm not able to help them with their trip because their budget was too low, but in like a nice way. Um, yeah. and it's, I think it was like your template or maybe Kate's template that had this, the polite decline email. I have a polite decline one with yes, several different so. reason options. Yes. That's <laughs> the one. I don't remember if it was from you or from Kate. Um, but it was listing out the reasons and it, their budget was just like way too low for what they were looking for. And I'm like, you know, if you have flexibility in your budget or the number of days you want to be away, you know, please feel free to let me know X, Y, Z. And so they responded like, how about this? So it was one of those things where it felt good to keep those boundaries that I've been trying to, trying to, uh, I don't know, what's the word, like maintain. Um, But then like- To to actually uphold them. Yes, uphold the boundaries. I remember our conversation with Jen last week where we're like, you know, the moment we say yes to something, you know it's a bad idea if you have a bad feeling about it. So I'm like, nope, we're sticking to our boundaries this year. Here is the, you know, honest facts. Give it to you straight. It's not personal. Yeah. It's not personal. Yes. And so um, one of the advisors they interview in this article is Katie Ehlers. And she was actually, at, I think she was at Future Leaders one year when we were there, I think both of us were there that year. Can't remember, but um, I did meet her a few, a couple of years ago. So she's quoted with saying, after coming out on the other side of COVID-19, my business model changed to charge fees. Um, in my business where I was pouring my heart and soul into clients who I didn't have a secured partnership with, and for them to take all of my information and book it themselves was just work I was not willing to do anymore. By creating that partnership with my client, where my clients hire me for my services, it creates a closer connection and I can work with my ideal clients every day while also being compensated for my time and my work on the front end of my clients' travels. I was in a community forum recently and someone was saying that they went head to head with someone who runs their host agency. And I don't know which one it is, but this person was saying that top, all the top producing advisors don't charge fees. And I'm like, well, I think that's false because, you know, I work with a lot of advisors. I see a lot going down and I just don't think that's the case. Now, to be fair, I think that some of the highest producing advisors are people like myself who focus on things like cruises, all-inclusive packages that take they just don't take the amount of time that something like a custom trip does. They, you know, these multi-component trips. So you can produce more. I mean, you're a human, one human being, how much you can crank out in a day. Yes, I could do, I have booked 15 cruise cabins in a day. There's no way that you're going to book 15 custom trips to Japan mm-hmm. or Portugal. <laughs> it's just not right, possible. Right. And, and I think, you know, I don't charge fees for just booking a cruise either. 
maybe that's where that person was coming from. Mm -hmm. But most of the advisors I know, even people who didn't charge a fee for any reason pre-pandemic, are implementing it at least for the more complicated itineraries or for like a Disney where you got to do the magic pass or whatever all that stuff is that I don't know very much about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I I felt like that was definitely not true, but uh, so I was happy to be validated by that Mm. seeing this article. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And it says here that most 64% of the advisors who charge fees say that their clients generally have no problem with the practice. However, advisors are split on whether they may have lost business as a result of fees, and if that matters. 47% say they may have lost business, but find that acceptable. 46% do not think they lost any business because of fees. I will say I have had plenty of people come back to me since the pandemic, and um, also before I even started charging fees. And this time around when I, where I tell them, you know, I've started charging a design and coordination fee and gave them the details, they're like, that's fine. I just did a travel uh, travel joy setup consultation this morning and the person was telling me that they want to implement fees and it was a Disney trip and she explained, I'm happy to do all these things for you. It's $150. And the person's like, okay, cool. And she was like, what? <laughs> she was so surprised. I think when you think about if you lost business, you really have to deep dive into whether that was business worth having. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that if you don't charge fees, there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that sometimes if if that's a boundary that you put in place and someone refuses it, that that's not a good fit for them, you have to consider whether you would have had a successful relationship in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like any other boundary, you have to be willing to, not all, go, all business is good business. You have to know where the lines are mm-hmm. and just feel good that if, if you didn't end up working with that person, it was probably for a good reason. Yeah. And that's exactly um, what Katie said too. She's quoted as saying, have I lost business? Of course. However, those customers are not my ideal clients and I would not partner well with them anyhow. So I take it with a grain of salt and move on knowing that now I have more time to focus on someone who wants to hire me for my professional knowledge and partner together to make their travel dreams come true. I like the way she words that partner partnering together. And then of course, She used the word hire, which we've been talking about Mm -hmm. lately. Instead of using the word use, use the word hire. It's perfect. It says that um, most advisors, 54%, make between 50 and 150 on fees per client, with another third, 35%, making 150 to 300 per client. Of the advisors charging fees, most, 70%, were charging fees before the pandemic, but nearly one-third started charging fees since the pandemic began. And most advisors have not raised their fees in the past year. Not somebody I know. Mm -mm. No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) There was one. um, So I was, I did a discovery call earlier. Um, No, what day is it? It's Tuesday. So late last week I did a discovery call and these were folks who were, um, they were in the baby boomer generation. They live in my neighborhood and They had reached out for a a trip for later on this year and it was a husband and wife. The wife was super sweet, but the husband seemed like he had some kind of complex in terms of like putting up a front because he didn't really know me. And so we got on the phone and he took over the conversation and he wasn't 
mean about it, but he was very, his tone was very assertive, almost aggressive. So he starts Mm -hmm. out with asking me, he's like, well, these are things that we want to know from you before we get started. Uh, He's like, "Um, how long has your agency been open? How long have you been doing this? What do you sell? And he lists off a couple other questions. And then he's like, basically, tell us why we should use you. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting the tingles as I'm so ready for this challenge and this response. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, Jan, those are great questions. And I'm very excited to let you know why you both should hire me as your travel advisor. And then, like, from that point on, I feel like his tone changed. And then when when it got down to the fee topic, and I think I really, the way I addressed him, this this comes from years of working uh, food service in a diner where a lot of your guests are of that kind of tone. Mm. Um, By the end, I had completely won him over. And he started talking about the fee. And he's like, is your fee, um, you know, it's from what I saw was $400. And I'm like, Jim, it's actually $500. And, you know, gave him all the deeds. And he's like, oh, yes, sorry. Sorry about that. And I'm like, yes, I got him. Yeah, you are, Jim. Yeah, 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 you better be sorry. And it's okay, I forgive you. But it's, I feel like it's given me like COVID confidence for one, but being able to use the correct language to speak Mm -hmm. to somebody because I know what I'm talking about. I've been in this for a while. I invest in my education. So to me, being able to present that in a confident way in the face of someone who is already on the defensive, it just gave me like a boost into the new year. It just verbiage matters. And I know Jen listening to this will be really happy to hear that. I feel like if there was a way that you could bottle that confidence and sell it, because for It it makes me so happy to hear you feel like, yes, I love this question. I'm so ready for this question. (laughs) And I know that a lot of advisors listening are like, man, I wish I felt like that. I think it's a different... What advice would you give people to get that confidence? It's It's a change in the way that I view things because in the past, and I think for a hot second, you start taking it personally. You start thinking like, oh my God, like he's attacking me. And then I just think... Yeah, because I was thinking, give him the middle finger. Yeah. So like, I'm like, oh my God, he he could be attacking me. He's attacking like my value. But then I have to remember that not everyone was blessed with the gift of tact. And so if I'm going to be spending a lot of money on something, like something done in my house, like I would like to know people's background in terms of like their business, what their experience is, but I wouldn't ask it in that way. I would ask it way more nicely, or I would just look it up online. Um, But it was just a different way of looking at it and, um, you know, addressing it differently, more so like, hey, they're curious about working with me. They reached out to me. Let me educate them. Let me make them aware of what they're able to work with if they desire decide to hire me. So I think it's like a mindset shift. And that goes a lot to what we talked about with Jen last week with like a working on your mentality and the way you see things and the way you talk to yourself. Yeah. It makes me think of how sometimes when I call a supplier and I get a rep on the phone who I can tell is in a bad mood, I just take it as a challenge that by the time I get off the phone with this person, they're going to be in a better mood. A hundred percent. Yes. I love that. And I know you love grumpy people. (laughs) So 
I do. I really, really do. <laughs> the older, the better. And, and grumpy, for sure. Um, in the article, it uh, gives a couple more numbers here. Um, most advisors, 53%, say that fees make up less than 10% of their overall business mix. Another 27% saying the amount is between 10 to 25%. The most common fee is a general booking fee, followed by change fees, cancellation fees, group booking fees, and concierge fees. Only 6% charge an hourly fee. And a majority of advisors charge both standard fees and variable fees. And nearly all respondents, 91%, say their fees are non-refundable. Yep. It's got to be. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says here that the top reason why some advisors do not charge fees is because they do not feel it's necessary to their business, followed by being afraid it will deter new clients and scared that it will anger current clients. And those feelings are completely valid because I felt all of them at one point. You know, like, what if my current yeah. clients hate me? Um, what if no one wants to work with me? So Ooh. definitely have felt that. It all comes back to that, just deciding this is the type of business I want to mm -hmm. run and committing to it. And you can do it, but you can't approach it with fear. You have to be ready to yes. show your worth and mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable knowing that not every client is for you and that's okay. Exactly. And I think part of what is helpful is think about how much you've invested in yourself to further mm -hmm. your education whether that's going to conferences, going on fams, traveling um, on a self and whatever it is, like what kind of money and time have you invested in yourself and let that fuel your confidence and that you know what you're talking about. What are the itineraries that you've done? Like look at your raving reviews, let that boost your confidence. And then if you do decide to charge fees and you no know, fear has been holding you back, just kind of dig into all of that put together and say like, hey, I know my stuff and I am worth whatever fee I'm charging. And they called me. Yep. 59% of advisors say they're either very likely or somewhat likely to initiate fees eventually, while 41% say they're not likely to do so. I will say that I've done a lot of travel joy setups in 2022 and Almost 100% of anyone who wasn't charging fees was planning to start. I think literally maybe one to three people were like, no, I'm never going to be interested in charging fees. So you do you. It's, it's your business. You decide what you want to do right. with it. So um, it ends right. with Katie being quoted saying, for the most part, I have not had any pushback from my clients returning or new. I have had a few people who have either not responded or have written back that they will take a different free route. And I made a point to respond. I explained why I charge a professional fee. I wish them the best. And I said that I will always be here should they change their mind. Moving forward, advisors need to educate clients and put it into perspective that the professionals in their daily life deserve to be paid for their services. Love it. Our next article is from Travel Pulse, and it is called 10 Mistakes Travel Advisors Should Avoid in 2023. I like a nice list like this. <laughs> Travel Pulse asked agents to share their thoughts about the top mistakes to avoid in the year ahead and the biggest questions and issues they and their colleagues are likely to face over the 12 
next 12 months. The first one is the world has changed dramatically. Don't pretend it hasn't. And I love that. As advisors, we all know the travel world has changed dramatically. The biggest mistake to avoid in 2023 will be to assume that our clients know this, says Jesse Morris of WeBook Travel. You and I have said a million times to set expectations. We cannot assume that our clients understand the changes. Right now, I'm at a point where when people come to me and they want to go to Europe, I'm like, immediately, have you looked at air prices? (laughs) And if not, let's take a look real quick and make sure you're comfortable before we dive Mm -hmm. any deeper into this because they are bananas. Yes. And there are some things that were temporary measures. So things Mm -hmm. like testing before traveling or social distancing or vaccine requirements, like things that were temporary, but there are certain things that are going to be more permanent. So in this article, they list things like QR codes, replacing menus at restaurants, contactless check-in at hotels and airports and virtual tours of popular cultural attractions. All of these changes driven initially by the pandemic, they continue to be part of the travel landscape for years to come. And it would be a mistake for agents to neglect addressing the new reality with clients. I always laugh when people say they hate the QR codes and they want a paper menu. Um, If you are over 40 and you don't like being able to expand that menu (laughs) so you can read it. Also, it's backlit and... Menus are dirty. Yeah, menus are I mean, so gross. They're sticky, and like if they're laminated, the lamination comes off of it. And yeah, yeah. it's all overall. I think QR codes at restaurants it can be annoying if the internet's not working well, or you know, yeah. you know, if all you can't these get things. it pulled up. That's frustrating. Yes, that's frustrating. Um, but overall, these are just things that I think. We, we're just getting used to like moving forward because it's just yeah. how things are going to be. And then just going back to what I was just saying about um, the cost of travel. Number two is the cost of travel has increased and is likely to remain high. Be upfront about this reality. So I kind of jumped a gun on my example, but yeah, there is no point in, in uh, walking on eggshells mm-hmm. about this fact. Number one, people kind of know it. If they don't, they need to know it so that you can shift gears if they need to choose another destination or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. Things cost what they cost. So there's no point in wasting your time trying to talk someone into something they can't afford or what have you. I just think about other industries and how they approach inflation and high prices, especially, you know, in the past couple of years. Um, construction or home renovations and the cost of lumber, mm-hmm. how are interior designers approaching it? And that kind of gives me a little push to be able to say, hey, let me approach it the same way because it is what it is. I'm not going to feel bad about it because I didn't set the pricing. The pricing is what it is. And if um, if you're not ready to, to take the vacation or you don't have any flexibility anyway, then we need to look at other options or wait for a better time. Yeah. I'm actually trying to rebook my closest friends and myself had a med cruise booked for 2020. Obviously we know what happened. We're all trying to get it on the books for 2023. And I immediately went to them and I'm like, it's $1,500 a person for air. It was 900 back Mm. then. Are you comfortable with that? And the bottom line is it's probably going to be like this. So like, 
if you want to go to Europe, this is what it's going to cost. Right. So, right. You know, like, I think we have to get into our heads that twelve to fifteen hundred dollars per person for round trip tickets to Europe in economy. That's just going to be the norm for a while. No more eight hundred dollar round trip tickets. <laughs> if you get something like yep. that, there are certain ones different times of the year that are along those lines. But for the most part, those are pretty pretty rare these days. The third item is that education will be essential in 2023. Don't neglect this step. Um, education for you and for your agents is crucial this year. Be on top of your agency, no destinations, requirements, tour companies, and the ins and outs of our industry, advises Tammy Levent, founder of Elite Travel. Clients are likely to be shopping around and comparing the offering skills and knowledge of multiple professionals. Educating yourself so that you stand out in a potential client's mind will be a key to success. You need to have a competitive angle against your competition. Live and breathe what you sell. Or at least show your value against an online travel agency. I mean, if people want to shop around against advisors, we are all so different in what we offer. So to me, that's not really mm-hmm. like, you're not my competition, Kareen. I, right. we, we are completely different in terms of our services and who we are as a person. But like, at least show your value above what they can get on their own online. Yes, although if charging fees becomes a standard or an industry standard, then we may have to be a little bit more competitive with other people who do similar things to what we do. Like you and I would never be in competition with each other because of the type of trips we book. But, you know, you might find yourself having to compete. Not that anyone could compete against you, but... (laughs) I I think (laughs) the way I look at this is that... The service and the quote unquote product that clients are buying is the experience they have with you as an individual. So even if there's another advisor who sells the same thing as I do, we are completely different people. And so they might enjoy working with me more because they have a better connection with me, or they might go to the other advisor because they have a better connection with them. And so Mm -hmm. even though it might be the same itinerary to Italy or, you know, whichever other destination in Europe at the end of the day is it's what's your connection with the person that you're working with. Even if everything else is the same, that is the one differentiating thing. So um, to me, I don't, I feel like I don't ever see other advisors as my competition because I feel like at the end of the day, we're all so different. Agreed. The next one on the list is do express empathy and understanding when working with clients amid such uncertain times. I definitely, I try not to get them fired up or make them feel indignant in any way, but I'm like, I know like demand is up. It's so high. We all want to get out. Like, you know, you can kind of commiserate Mm -hmm. with them a little bit, but while being clear that this is just what it is and we still want to go out and see the world. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's expressing empathy, but then offering a solution to whatever it is, is their complaint. So yes, Yes. prices are high. Availability is almost non-existent. Whatever the reason is, just be like, but here is how we can help you get you what you want. So empathy and then offer. Could we shave off a couple days? (laughs) Yeah. Do we want to, is there another destination on your list Mm -hmm. that maybe isn't, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And I just did that rebooking a honeymoon from 2020. We went from 14 nights to 12 Mm -hmm. just because, and that was still, the price was 50% higher. Mm -hmm. So it was a 10,000 trip. Now it's 15 with shaving off a couple of nights. But But the thing is, you just, 
like Jen had mentioned last week, it's like, give some of the power to your clients to make a decision because there was a couple I was working with when, you know, we got down to it, we were trying to shave off some items to help save on the cost. And at the very end, I'm just like, listen, this is the lowest we can get it before we have to start removing experiences and removing additional days. It is what it is. And so they were good with that final itinerary because they knew, and I told them and they trusted me enough to understand like, Hey, if this is exactly what you want, this is the price that you're going to have to pay. Yeah. I mean, I think that people really appreciate if you do look for solutions, but I use that strategy forever. Mm -hmm. When I would do FIT proposals, I would do it exactly the way I knew they wanted it. It would probably push the budget a little bit Mm -hmm. and I would present it and say, I know this is higher than you wanted to spend. These are the ways that we could bring the price down. We could take out some of these tours. We could, you know, and of course they were always like, no, I want it just like this. Let's do it. You know, but they really appreciate that you gave some thought Mm -hmm. to how you could make it work in a different, in a different way, but they don't usually really want to actually make those compromises. Right. Once they see what they can get and they're probably like, that's not too much higher than what we initially had in mind. Yeah. Yep. Another point is to check in regularly with your vendors. Uh, Regular and effective communication is essential for nearly any business to run smoothly. But in 23, it will be particularly important to maintain open lines of communication with vendors. Make sure you have strong relations with your vendors, do your research and make sure they are stable as they were prior to COVID and able to sustain our economic turnaround. This is particularly critical because if a vendor suddenly goes out of business, where does that leave you and your clients? Yeah, we've encountered a couple of those issues, even pre-COVID. So yeah. Yeah. when I think checking in there, regularly with vendors, though, I it's more like maintaining a relationship that I have. Relationships. With them. Yes. Yes. And one of the DMCs, Relationships are everything. One of the DMCs that I work with for Italy, it's so funny because I when I took a little break from New Inquiries, he actually checked in on me. He's like, hey, just wanted to see if you're doing okay. And I hope you haven't forgotten about me. <laughs> And I'm like, I haven't, but this is where I am. But if I have anything Italy coming in, that would be a good fit. I'll be sending it your way. So it was cool to have that check-in because it's like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a while. That's super nice. The next one is do embrace new forms of communication in 2023. As part of your efforts to continue reaching new market segments and clients, consider expanding or diversifying the methods of communication you utilize. So um, Corey Hargarther, who is from Dreams Vacation or Dream Vacation, says travel advisors should embrace different forms of communication as an avenue to reach consumers across age groups. In the past, I was most comfortable using traditional methods such as email or phone, but last month I engaged with a few new client referrals. Oh, with a new client referral, almost entirely via text message, and he booked his trip next spring on Royal Caribbean. That's probably more of a personal choice. Some of us have a harder time. I can, I just can't do it with my thumbs. Plus, I want a record of everything we mm-hmm. talked about in email. But it's not wrong. I mean, I, I do agree you, you want to meet your clients where they are. Mm-hmm. So I might get a conversation started on text or Facebook Messenger, but then I'm going to get them in my email eventually. I have a client who responds to my emails via text message. So I'll send him an email with yeah. options and things like that. And he'll text me like, Hey, I really like option two. And then all the payment related things through email, but everything else 
he prefers text message. So I'm okay with that. If that yeah. works better for, I just, I just want to take people's money. And so whichever easy way to take their money is, I will yeah. be amenable to that. <laughs> yes. The next one is don't assume clients will follow the same purchasing behaviors they have followed in the past. And I have seen this with my clients too. Things that they used to say were important to them. It's not the same anymore. And when they used to be mm-hmm. very tight with their budget, they, it's not necessarily the case anymore today when I've worked with them again. And I agree. I don't. So I have this one client. The first trip to Italy that I ever booked was for him and his now ex-wife and their one-year-old son. And so this time around, and he was super cheap. Like he didn't want to pay for anything. He didn't want nice hotels, anything like that. But this time around, he's taking his girlfriend to Italy, going to different places, of course. And he is way more liberal with his funds. So I was initially Ah. expecting him to be the same kind of like tight, you know, with his money. But he paid my fee, which... In the past, he would probably have been like, why are we paying a fee? He paid my fee immediately. And he was just like, yeah, we're good with like nice hotels, this and this. And so I'm like, oh, I guess we turn a new leaf. Yeah, definitely don't make assumptions. People's attitudes have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm like a whole new person. So <laughs> yeah, and in this um, particular point in the article says that given that clients have spent so much uh, more time at home over the past three years, they're often spending significantly more today than they might have in the past. So I think we're almost all of us are seeing that. The next one says, don't place too much emphasis on lead-in pricing. Agreed. Kind of for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Offer a higher category because people are in YOLO mode mm-hmm. and might be willing to upgrade. Yes. Last one, continue proving your value with every client. Uh, There's no denying the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic brought about major upheaval and challenges for businesses and individuals around the world. But there were also more than a few stories of companies and sectors that not only survived, but thrived. And this article says that travel agents in particular is one of those sectors um, because the world saw that we could jump in to assist when things were going downhill real fast. If there were any positives to come from it, it was the visibility that travel advisors got as experts and a go-to resource for travelers compared to online travel booking engines. Yep. So we need to just keep showing our worth so that we don't lose the momentum that we have built. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like a lot of the new clients that at least I'm getting they do mention that because I talk to people who have traveled extensively in the past. And I, one of the questions I'm always curious and excited to ask is, you know, why are you reaching out to me now? Like what, why do you feel like you need my assistance this time for this trip? And that gives me a really good idea of what kind of assistance they'll need. Absolutely. All right. Are we ready for some excess baggage? I am. (laughs) All right, it's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. 
According to Travel Weekly, hotel staffing is a top concern for tour operators in 2023. They also report that Emeril Lagasse, known for his Creole cooking and his catchphrase, bam, on television cooking shows, is the new chief culinary officer at Carnival Cruise Line. Teresa's giggling. She's on mute. She's giggling. (laughs) An article from Travel Pulse says that Colette is highlighting small group tours and shaking up the transportation standard. The tour operator knows travelers want to get a culturally rich experience in each destination. And by utilizing unique modes of transportation where available, it's just one way Colette puts their travelers first. Another one from them says that post-holiday airline ticket prices soar despite promised price caps. Travel Agent Central reports that all-inclusive by Marriott Bonvoy, together with Blue Diamond Resorts, has announced the opening of Royalton Splash Riviera Cancun, an autograph collection all-inclusive resort. The brand new all-inclusive resort has 1,005 guest suites in expansive water park and nightly entertainment for travelers of all ages. As part of Autograph Collection Hotels, the resort's custom personality offers experiences fit for travelers looking for a recuperating retreat. Another article from them says that this week, the U.S. Senate released a $1.7 trillion fiscal year 2023 omnibus appropriations bill, which will fund the many and various federal government projects for the upcoming year. Among the inclusions was the Omnibus Travel and Tourism Act. This means, according to the office of Senator Jackie Rosen, that the U.S. travel and tourism industry would be strengthened by creating an assistant secretary of commerce of travel and tourism position to coordinate tourism strategy across the federal government. There currently isn't anyone in the federal government responsible for developing and coordinating this national strategy, making the U.S. the only G20 country to lack an agency or cabinet in charge of tourism policy. Afar reports that travelers will no longer need to have a pre-departure COVID test or a vaccine pass to enter Hong Kong. According to Travel Market Report, Hilton is bringing a new Waldorf Astoria to San Miguel de Allende. The hotel, the third Waldorf Astoria in Mexico, is expected to open in early 2024, offering 120 rooms and 24 residences right in the heart of the city within walking distance to Parroquia de San Miguel Archangel in the city's main central plaza. And our high note today is also from Travel Market Report. Contiki reports best booking sales in its history. Even better, the company said that sales that sales attributed to travel advisors was four times higher when compared to 2021 sales. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we we're just sharing it. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello? Please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.